Hello, good evening, Revolution. How's everybody doing tonight? My name is Justin Clark, and I'm part of the leadership team here. Um, real quick, if you're new, um, I want to encourage you to um, do something a little uncomfortable. Um, before you leave, not introduce yourself to either my, to me, Pastor Matt, or Ryan, our worship pastor. We just we want to get to know you guys. There's a lot of folks in and out. We don't always get to do that. So um, if you would seek us out, just introduce yourself. Um, we'd be happy to begin praying for you and talking to you how we can um, get you guys plugged into here to what we're doing. So um, thanks for joining us. And then small groups, I want to talk a little bit about what opportunities we have to get plugged in. Um, Tuesday nights for college students, um, 9 o'clock right here. We have a small group Bible study. It's led by Eric Kimsey. So if you're not already plugged into that, I'd encourage you to do that. Wednesday night, we have a small group that meets here led by Pastor Dave. And then Thursdays, we have a free seminary class on the Epistles of the New Testament, also led by Pastor Dave. And then Sunday mornings at Christ Community Church at 9 o'clock, Pastor Matt is teaching a class called Apologetics, which is um, basically how to defend what you believe as a Christian. And um, that's a really awesome class. If you guys get the opportunity to come to that, I'd greatly encourage you to do that. So the only other announcement I have is that the t-shirts are two weeks away that we had ordered. Um, if you're a college student, um, let us know that if you're interested in a t-shirt because the t-shirt's going to be free for you guys. So that's a little gift for you that we wanted to make sure that we made available. So with that, we'll pray, and then Pastor Matt will be up here to work through um, the book of Mark. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight, Lord, and we just, we come to you humbly as broken people, each and every one of us um, who don't deserve your grace or your mercy, and we just pray that as we talk about, um, as we talk through the book of Mark and continue to study the book of Mark, that we recognize that you are sovereign, that you are totally in control of each and everything that happens happens in our lives, the good things, the bad things, and that um, our roles as people who enter into relationship with you, who become your disciples, is to sub be submissive to you, to turn our lives over to you, to acknowledge that you are sovereign, that you're in control, and you're greater than we are. And Lord, I just pray that, um, that we won't be put off by that, that we'll realize that regardless of how much we think of ourselves, um, that we'll be willing to submit to that, because Lord, that, that's how we're going to take this community for you. That's how we're going to love people um, in this community in a way they've never been loved, and that's how we're ultimately going to see the gospel transcend this community and turn it into a greater place. It's in your name we pray. Amen. How are we doing, Revolution? Oh, goodness sakes. Now, we go through this every week, honestly. Um, let's try that again. How are we doing, Revolution? Awesome. All righty. If you want to open your Bibles to Mark chapter 7. We're going to do about half of chapter 7 tonight, verses 7, uh, 1 through 23 tonight, as we begin to talk about what, true, what the Bible defines as true religion. Um, that's where we're going to be uh, this evening. Now, uh, a few things to be praying about, please. Um, the t-shirts, the reason we decided to invest in the t-shirts um, is that we want to storm the campus again. Several years ago, this place was packed overfulling with, with, with college students, um, and that's dropped off a little bit because we've had some problems marketing on campus. It used to be they were really good about putting up our flyers and all that kind of stuff. They don't do that so much anymore. We're going to try to do that again in a different way. If they're not going to put up our flyers, then we will just put T-shirts on every other college student. We can get one on, and we'll do it that way. Uh, and then we're also, you know, we're just looking at other things to try to get on campus. I was contacted this week uh, by an organization called Ratio Christi, 
which is an apologetics ministry, and they asked me if I would consider um, either training or finding people to be trained to start an apologetics ministry on campus at Shawnee State University. And so we'll see where that goes. I don't know what that all entails. I've looked over some of it. We'll see. I'm not sure if I have the time to do that, but there may be people you know, here who do, um, like Corey Reed, who all volunteer because he's in the nursery, and, and, <laughs> and Kayla Pickerson and Eric Kimsey, guys like that. So, um, but we will see where that, where that goes, that training goes, how much it costs, all that kind of stuff. I was contacted by a guy at Houston Baptist University who's got an apologetics training um, program for people online. We'll see where that goes, if we can get some people trained and get them on campus and, and, and see where that goes. Not to put those guys on, you know, on, you know, but, well, yeah, I'm just going to put you on the spot. You know, um, we'll see where that goes. Um, Mark 7. So, if you've got the blue Bibles, go there. Um, if, however, that's page, why? Well, I don't have it in front of me. Somebody show me what page it is. 604 in the Blue Bibles. By the way, if you do not own a Bible, that Blue Bible, take it home with you. Or if the Bible you own is not a very good one, take that home with you. We're glad that you, know, you will take it with you. We think it's a good, readable Bible. So let's go. 7-1. One day, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. All right, they're coming down from Jerusalem to Galilee. It's a little bit of a hike. Um, so this is a big deal. They noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of hand-washing before eating. The Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they have poured water over their cupped hands as required by the ancient traditions. Similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. This is just but one of many traditions they have clung to, such as their ceremonial washings of cups, pitchers, and kettles. Now, Notice, it does not say, what they're not saying, they're not saying that they just wanted you to wash your hands, all right? I yell at my kid to wash their hands, right? That's not what, what, what they're saying here. This is a ceremonial washing, okay? This is before you eat, after you go to the marketplace, you have to go through a ceremonial thing where they pour water on your hands, immerse your hands in water, all that kind of stuff. Now, we'll talk about that. Right? But it's this, this huge ceremony that you have to go through. Verse 5. So the Pharisees and teachers of religious law asked him, Why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. Now, how weird is this that they go all the way from Jerusalem to confront Jesus, and the first thing out of their mouth is not, Hey, where do you get this teaching? Hey, are you the Son of God? But it's, uh, Hey, why aren't you putting your hands in water? Right? This is the first thing out of their mouth. Jesus replied, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. Pretty harsh coming out of the gate, right? I mean, he doesn't just go, well, let's talk about this. Let's, he's just like, you hypocrites. Right? We, we have this idea of Jesus in our head as somebody who's like this 90-pound guy who's really nice all the time, sips green tea, and wants to give you a hug, right? But this is a guy who's not afraid to point his finger at you, especially religious people. This is the weird thing about if you read the Gospels. Jesus is hardest on the religious people, not the sinners. The sinners he welcomes with open arms. The religious people who are self-righteous, he points a finger at. 
Something for the church to learn. Verse 9. Then he said, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own tradition. For instance, Moses gave you this law from God. Honor your father and mother. Now, in the Old Testament, that meant honor your father and mother basically meant not just obey them, okay? But it meant take care of them. In an agricultural society, there comes a time when people get, right, Backaches. They get all these problems. They can no longer farm, and yet they're still living. And the Bible says that when that happens, you need to step in and make sure that your parents eat. And they have a place to sleep. You need to take care of them, honor them that way. And anyone who speaks disrespectfully... Sorry, I had tongue-tied this weekend for some reason. A father or mother must be put to death. But you say it is all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you for I have vowed to give God what I have given to you. In other words, they take their inheritance, they take future earnings, and instead of giving it to their parents to make sure they're taken care of, they give it to the temple to make sure the priests are taken care of. Televangelists, not a new thing. In this way, you let them disregard their needy parents. And so you cancel cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example of many others. And then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. All of you listen. Now this is, again, this is Jesus not being polite. These guys come to him and say, hey, hey, why don't your disciples follow our tradition? And he points his finger at them and says, hey! And then he starts to just call them out. And then not only does he do that, but then he says, everybody come and listen while I ball these guys out. This is Jesus, right? Jesus called the crowd to come in here. He said, all of you listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled, but what comes from your heart. Then Jesus went into a house to get away from the crowd, and his disciples asked him what he meant by the parable he had just used. Don't you understand either, he asked. Can't you see that the food you put into your body cannot defile you? Food doesn't go into your heart, but only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. You don't need to explain that, right? By saying this, he declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. And then he added, it is what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. That is what defiles you. See, what Jesus is is dealing with here is this. If you go to the Old Testament and you look for who's supposed to cleanse themselves and all that kind of stuff, you only find two instances where people are supposed to cleanse themselves. One are priests before they enter the tabernacle into the presence of God. Two are people who come into contact with bodily discharge and then are supposed to go and worship God. Now, by bodily discharge, they meant that as basically the grossest stuff you can think of, right? And and the whole point was to reinforce the fact that God is holy and pure and set apart, and you need to remember that. It says nothing about before you eat. It says nothing about any of this stuff. 
They had begun to build traditions up. And they had begun to, the Pharisees began to add to the Bible. Anytime you begin to add to the Bible, you are on the road to legalism. And legalism is always soul-killing, right? They began to add to the Bible. And one of the things they added to the Bible was this. They said they began to define discharge, the stuff that would make you unclean, as like spit. Do you wipe your mouth? Right? And then they began to add actually Gentiles, anybody who were non-Jewish, as rendering you unclean. This is what the whole line about going to the marketplace is about. You go and you buy something. You literally go to Kroger's. Now, because my office is right here, and because um, you know, my, my, we live out in Minford, my wife will constantly call me and tell me to go to Kroger's and pick something up. Usually something organic. <laughs> Lots of kale. We keep Kroger's in, in kale profits. And when I walk in, there is that little thing that has the antibacterial wipes. You've seen that? Okay. That's a smart thing to use. It really is. All right? I don't know if you've looked around at the people that are with you in Kroger's. God love them. But a lot of them do this. Yeah. <laughs> It's a really good thing to take one of those wipes and wipe down your cart, especially with norovirus going around. Norovirus is that thing that shuts down cruise ships, for heaven's sakes, all right? There is no flu shot for norovirus. I had norovirus last year. Ryan Rolfes had norovirus. It is, you had it twice? Oh, my gosh. I lost 15 pounds in 24 hours. I am not kidding you. I weighed myself. You are literally there worshiping the porcelain God going, nothing else can come out! Stop! I have no fluids left! It's horrendous. And just touching somebody who has it can give it to you. So those are good things. But this is not what this is about. This has nothing to do with that. This has everything to do with You wash yourself to remind yourself that not only God is holy, but you are Jew and everyone else is not. You are better than they are. Ever been in a church where you got that feeling? We're better than they are. No, you're not. And this is what's going on. They have built up traditions to separate themselves from people not like themselves, right? And make themselves feel better about themselves. If you read the Jewish rabbinical writings from the second century, which I've done because I rock and roll all night and party every day, they basically argue that we Jews will become so pure that God will be so impressed that he will elevate us to a, to a position where we rule over the Gentiles like Adam ruled over the animals. You ever get that feeling in a church? That's religion. That's what's going on here. 
Jesus says, true religion is never to distance yourself from other people. It is never to elevate yourself among other people. It is never to see yourself as clean and everyone else as unclean. The whole point behind the original laws were God is clean and everyone else is unclean. I've said this before and I've said this I don't know how many times. See, the problem with many churches and many religions is it teaches there are three tiers. There is God. There are those who God loves and are clean. And then there's the unwashed masses. And what the Bible teaches is there is God, there is Jesus, and there's everybody else. That's the way it works. There is no in-between. Right? Now, this is what the Pharisees did. They built up this tradition. They built up this religion, which Jesus rightfully condemns, right? He says, what are you doing? He, he condemns it so harshly and so loudly, he literally says, everybody come over and listen to how I'm reaming these guys out. Because you need to know this. Do we do the same thing? Now, when I sit there and I say, the church does this, how many of you think, sit there and think, about some guy in a suit, in a church with an organ, and I am not against churches having organs, how else are you going to play the intro to Prince's Let's Go Crazy? Do it right, you need a real organ. So, and you sit there and you think about these guys. They've got the organ, they're the suits. Everybody's dressed in like, there's khaki everywhere. I have often wondered why I don't just quit all this and move to this week. There came out the top 10 cities that read the Bible. And most of them were in the South. And I was thinking, if I could open a store that sells khakis, in that place, I would be a billionaire. And we think of that, don't we? That's where our mind goes here. Right? Those religious people who look down on everybody else. I'm not so sure it doesn't apply to us as well. Right? Do we not have someone else? See, when I say there is Jesus and everybody else, people nod. But then when I start talking, it's like, oh, yeah, but then there are those fundamentalists. Heck with them. Right? And, and, and it's true. I guess if Jesus were come today and he would find a group of Pharisees that he would point his finger at, it would be them. What are you doing? I've got my 12 disciples. They, they're with me. You people are finger pointers. Us, them. Except here's the problem. The disciples didn't get it either. 
And often Jesus turns around to them and says, what is your problem? They're traveling through Samaria one time and they say, should we call down God's wrath on them? And Jesus goes, are you kidding me? In other words, what he's saying is, you call it down on them, you're calling it down on yourself as well, right? See, we do the same thing. Religion, in its worst form, does two things. It makes you self-righteous, and it creates a lower class in your mind. And any time that happens, you haven't read this right. You haven't got it. Because there's Jesus... And there's everybody else. Right? And we all do this. We all do this. Oh my gosh, I love you guys, but we all do this. I do this. I mean, one of the discuss, constant discussions we have all the time, I have with my small group, I have with you guys. I mean, for those of you who don't know, a lot of us here at Revolution get together all the time. We get together and watch movies. We get together and go to B-dubs. We do, you know, all that kind of stuff. And we sit there. Sometimes we argue about theology and, and, and philosophy because we're geeks. And sometimes we sit there and we argue about music. Right? There are people who are enlightened like myself. <laughs> who have the experience and the taste to know that the apex of all great music was in 1987 with the release of Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction. <laughs> and then there's everyone else who seems to think something is as good or better. <laughs> and we have this argument back and forth. And here's what we do. We do this even if it's to a snarky little degree. You're crazy, I'm right, I'm up here, you're down there. Right? Do we not do this? Yes. yes. Justin and I were talking today. We were talking about, do we, next week is the Super Bowl. Do we cancel service? Do we move service up? What do we do? Now, we both agree. Who cares? Who wants to watch the Ravens and the 49ers? <laughs> Satan does, but they're his teams. Other than that, I'm going to see what's on HBO. Anchorman might be on. But we do this. We do this in sports. We do this everywhere. We, we judge, and then if somebody disagrees with us, we automatically think they're a little lower than us, don't we? Don't we do this? And then if we get to know somebody long enough, if they disagree with us on, on sports and music and movies and whatever, we get to the point where it's just like, oh my gosh, you're a lost cause. And we begin to look down on them, right? I mean, in many ways, pop culture has become the religion of the 21st century, has it not? And if you disagree with me, then you're of that false religion out there. I mean, you may love Jesus and all that. But if you love Nickelback, you're of Lucifer. Which may be true. I'm not disagreeing with that. But as much as it pains me, 
I cannot look down at someone because they love Nickelback. After all, they may have mental problems. I'm sorry, David. I know you like Nickelback. But I... <laughs> we do this. My point is this. We do this, don't we? We judge all the time. And if anybody disagrees with us, we tend to put them on a lower plateau. We look down on them. Right? We just do this. Books, movies, whatever. Sports teams. I grew up in southern Ohio. I live in southern Ohio. I still have no idea why. People in Southern Ohio like the Cleveland Browns. You live in Southern Ohio. <laughs> Cleveland is like another state. It just is, right? I don't get it. And I, 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 I crack on people all the time. I looked. I do not understand it. I say all the time. Like last week, I said, you know, do you know what? This is the time of year. We have the Super Bowl, right? Next week. Last week we had the playoffs. This is the time of year when any Cleveland Browns fan who is 10 years or, old, or younger asks their father, Daddy, what's a playoff game? <laughs> we do this. We judge. We judge all the time. I was at a conference one time where a speaker talked about the fact that we all judge. And he actually had, he asked us to reach under our chairs like we were at Oprah, you know, <laughs> which is kind of weird. And we reached under our chairs and there was a rock under there. There was a rock, but the rock was wrapped in bubble wrap. And his point was, we all judge, but we need to watch how we judge because when we reflect on it, we're all in the same boat. Religion or anything else that separates us to the point where we look down on someone just doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't work. At the end of the day, we're all just as jacked up, right? We're all dealing with all kinds of stuff. We're all there, and we all tend to, for whatever selfish coping reason, it, it just seems like we try to tell ourselves that we're better than that in, in, in order to like justify our existence. But we're not. For a Christian, what justifies their existence is that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life, died a death on our behalf, and rose again to show that he is the Messiah coming again and to promise this resurrection to us. And that, and that alone defines us. That's it. There's nothing else. At the end of the day, when history is at an end, all that matters, all that, that makes sure that our life continues beyond this one, that we are, again, united with God, which is what in our innermost being is what's really wrong with us, is that we're separated from God, is the fact that Jesus lived a perfect life that he grants to us. And that when he goes to the cross, he becomes unclean. Jesus becomes unclean on the cross to make us clean. To, to, to give that to us, we exchange this. And this is what saves us. And this is alone is what saves us. It's what saved me as a 25-year-old atheist who was told he had cancer in the mid-90s. 
It's what saved many of you in many different circumstances. It's what can save you if you don't know. And when this power really breaks in on you, it's amazing what will happen. I read this week about a lady, older lady named Gladys. Now, automatically, I read Gladys and I think, old would not get my jokes. But Gladys, her husband, and her two kids went on a mission trip to India in the late 90s. Her husband had been going to India on and off to share the gospel for 34 years. Since he was a kid. And he goes in one night while he's in his Jeep sleeping with his two young boys, ages like 11 and 6. Radical Hindus show up. They drag them out of their Jeep and they burn them alive. When the authorities show up, they find the husband's charred body with his arms around the charred bodies of his two sons. When the press from India got whiff of this, they went to interview the widow. And she stated, I am not bitter. I am not angry. I just want the people who did this to know the grace of Jesus Christ. If you can be in that situation and love the people who hurt you and took something from you, you don't have religion. You have the Spirit inside of you. You have something very different from religion. You are this close from God. And that's what all life is about. That's what it's all about. That's what I want. And that's what I pray for you. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you that we can come together in this jacked up building as jacked up people on a cold night and hopefully learn a little bit more about your word and your grace and that we can grow a little bit more And what I hope and pray is that your spirit will invade every single heart so that we don't look down upon people for any reason at any time. We look at all people as those that you love and that either have your salvation like we do or need your salvation like we did. That there are two tiers within their universe. There is you and everyone else. And that we should never embrace anything, even religion, even tradition that stems from religion, that separates us from you, separates us from that truth. May we know your grace, know your holiness, know our uncleanliness. Know that Jesus took our uncleanliness upon himself to cleanse us and give us eternal life and just live in gratitude for that act. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.